0: Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV Deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's show, we'll be taking a look at the TV fall season, or at least what it what it resembles currently, commemorating the end of Emmy voting and setting up our sandwich bets for the limited series and TV movie categories. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Shit. No, I don't. Are we going to be you. locked into this these had, picks?
1: Like implications.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't
2: have the confidence yet to <laughs> to bet a whole sandwich on this. This is
1: millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show!
0: Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Ben, it's fall TV time. Fall TV season, sort of. Uh, you wanted to talk about a couple of shows. Away, AP Bio season three the boys season two, but you seem most excited to try to explain raised by wolves to Libby and I
2: Uh, excited is, is a probably an excessive term. Um, I would say that raised by wolves to me is the, is the de facto fall starter, like the, the, the kind of biggest quote unquote premiere. This is all based on the, on the largely outdated model that, that, you know, there's a fall season and a and a mid season and a spring season and a twenty nineteen season. The time is not just a flat circle of endless content. But um, but no, it, it it there's definitely a lot of new shows being launched this week and September is still very well stacked with anticipated series that we'll be talking about, you know, once the Emmys are over, basically. But for now I just wanted to flag the idea that yes, Raised by Wolves is coming. It's an HBO Max original series. Uh, the first two episodes are directed by Ridley Scott, so a bunch of you know the IndieWire folks at least are are very excited to see what this is. Um, I've watched it. The embargo is up. It is extremely strange. It's not great, but holy shit! If you're looking for something that's just gonna give you some things to talk about with your friends over Zoom, this is the show to watch. It's um, it's basically an Adam and Eve futuristic sci-fi knockoff in which uh two androids arrive at a new planet and try to raise children on their own because the uh the, the reigning humans at their old dying planet wouldn't let androids raise humans uh because it goes against their religious what have you uh and then these androids are extremely Uh, bad at it really like that's kind of the twist of the pilot not not the biggest one mind you I'll save that for people who want to watch but um, but they're kind of surprised by the challenges that go into uh, raising human beings that they thought would be fairly easy and um, is the twist that
0: the androids give up and then they give the children to wolves
2: <laughs> that, would be, that would be almost as on the nose as the metaphors they choose to work with instead. Um, uh, what, what I'd say was most interesting about it, honestly, is just the idea that Ridley Scott got attached to this. I don't know the backstory. I don't know. He didn't create it. He didn't write it. He didn't have, obviously, anything like in that level to do with it. It was something that his production company kind of latched onto, and then he directed, I think, because they wanted to give it a, a bigger platform. Uh, it's not his first TV show that he's directed, but it is the first one that's made it to air since, like, the 1960s. And um, it follows, like, a lot of the themes that we especially now associate with Ridley Scott's work, uh, including the science fiction genre, androids, this kind of stark, weird, foreign planet that's, that's like, being discovered before, like, in front of your eyes that he gets to, you know, paint for you, um, and then a lot of big... Bigger existential questions about the meaning of life and what it means to be human, and exploring that through the eyes of, of you know, again, sentient androids. But, um, but beyond those like connected themes, it, it doesn't. It's not. It's a far cry from Blade Runner. It's a far cry from even, uh, you know, Prometheus and oh the much god. Alien Covenant. <laughs> so,
1: oh god, um, I don't. I, I do like to it can think about. I was going That's to ask when I you Think saying, about what you were talking
0: when you yep. were saying like he gets to explore a world that he's created, like gets to draw an entire like new new planet. I'm like, is it at least better than Pr- Prometheus? And you just
1: knock
0: I mean, that a,
2: down. I'm a semi defender of Prometheus. I really like Alien Covenant. I think David is an excellent creation, and I I uh, remark on that in the review in a few different ways that that these androids have. And it would be interesting to see them thrown into the mix with David, but they'd never survive, and they're not as interesting to follow. So um, so yeah, it's 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 weirdly on brand for Ridley Scott, and it's, um, again, like the fall season launch, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of people talking about it, especially just because of how eccentric they make very specific moments within a very accessible, broader story. Um, but yeah, it's it's still not... It's not the show to get excited about. I'd be much more excited about AP Bio. Please watch AP Bio. It's great. I really enjoy it. It's really funny.
0: Well, guys, Emmy voting ended two days ago. So what are what are our takeaways from phase two? What do we know about the ceremony going in? Obviously, we're going to have some predictions in a, in a second, but what are your sort of thoughts?
1: I don't know. I really thought we'd have a better idea of, of, of what this ceremony was going to look like less than three weeks out as the, the ceremony would have been three weeks from three days ago. That helps, for on the 20th. Um, it's just, I don't know. Last week, Variety reported that they are talking about having 150 professional cameras and or camera crews out at the locations of where every nominee is to send live footage back for the ceremony. And that just sounds like a bananas idea. I don't feel like it's super safe. I don't like... I don't think it's a great idea. It feels like a waste of resources. And I don't know if I just lost an Emmy. I don't know if I'd want a camera crew right there, like then packing up their shit and slinking away. It just feels, it it feels very much like they're trying really hard to make something really special, uh, to make something very high quality. But I think that at this point, I don't know if that's, The best angle, because everyone knows that things are going to be weird this year, everyone knows it's going to be different this year. I do think that maybe backing away from the secrecy a little bit would be an angle to go to, uh, so you can have some stuff pre-taped. The problem I have criticizing it, uh, even though that's all I want to do, is like I don't know a better way that they could have done this. Like I don't know if they don't want to have, because they've also stated they don't want to use Zoom, they don't want to use Skype, they don't want to use FaceTime, they want to have. Very high production values. Uh, the VMAs, I think, had a really successful show over the weekend. That's a, obviously a completely different thing. They aren't, uh, the winners aren't lock and key. They were having events outdoors. They could have performances. But I just think there are better ways to adapt than what they're doing.
2: Uh, I completely agree with you. I, I feel like um, it's important for the Emmys to always kind of preserve a bit of the surprise as to, you know, who the big winners will be. But I don't think that those are the only moments that the Emmys are built on. Like, I don't think that those are the only things that you can use as pillars for a successful production. Um, And in a year when expectations have to be extremely low and in a year after the ratings had already, you know, pretty much cratered, so they need to get somewhat inventive in order to bring viewership back, they should be throwing everything they've got into just putting on a good piece of entertainment like they should be leaning hard into kind of the the almost late night variety special type presentation and you know finding the time for the the winners to give their speeches or have their moment but come up with ways in which they can do that so that it's it's not an inconvenience for anyone else and it's not a downer for anyone else like the idea that a lot of people are going to be waiting on pins and needles to find out if they won this year especially feels unnecessary because they don't get to go to the room they don't get to walk the red carpet they don't get to go to the after parties they're just sitting at home waiting to find out and also worrying about you know whether they have to go on live tv in a second or if they can just enjoy their their time at night with with tv and that's the most important thing for 99.9% of the audience is to just enjoy their night with TV. So let the winners have their time. But I I really would have liked to hear them go a little bolder with with how they're rolling this out. I I know that it's all secret right now, and it could be extremely different and crazy and have great ideas and be wonderful. But as of now, with so much of the focus seeming to still be on, how do we let them give speeches live? I'm like, this seems... this seems like a rough idea.
1: See, if I could do it, I would consider completely changing the groupings, like giving Watchmen's awards all at once. Like you celebrate shows. So you have like more like um almost the Kennedy Center honors. So you just have a show and then you're like and then it and then it won this and this and this. And like, that's how people find out. But then they can tape the I don't know. I don't know, but I think that there's this is a time that you can completely do it completely differently and it's just going to be a one-off.
0: I mean, I'm So it doesn't I'm, matter
1: if it's weird and bad and I'm you know.
0: I'm a I'm a total like montage apologist. Like I love a really great montage and the idea, I know a lot of people don't like them, but like the idea that I mean, your idea Libby is amazing cuz like let's say, you know, Watchmen is going to win seven total awards or whatever it is 11 awards what wh- however many they can win that they win to to have just something a general sort of like these are the awards that watchman has won and here's why and we're going to show you very quickly in this like five to six minute video interspersed with you know talking heads that we film beforehand it, that's that's as entertaining as watching damon you know give a speech from his backyard i think and maybe in, in a lot of ways uh sort of spotlights all the other crafts people involved in a way that probably Damon would appreciate. I would say even if they don't do even if they don't do your idea where they sort of announce all the like go show by show. Yeah. Even if they don't do that, I still think the montage should be your friend during this ceremony. Like show show everyone why show everyone why television's great. Show everyone why people love these shows, why these awards matter. And I, I don't think there's a better way than actually showing the shows themselves. Like let the shows do the talking. Right. TV movie, limited series, all the all the awards categories. Starting I'm going to start with the one I think is the easiest pick for most of us, which is TV movie. Oh no, ben, Ben's I'm rolling that his eyes. Turkey. Ben is rolling his
2: <laughs> uh, eyes. I don't like this category because I've been wrong in it for either. what, 4 years? So 3 it's, years. It's essentially it's a, a
0: a head 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 heavy head uh, Bad Education versus El Camino, correct? Am I wrong? In theory, yes.
2: Uh I but there's also the possibility that uh, you know the TV Academy all these years really just loved episodic anthologies, and Dolly Parton will win. So
0: then on the site you have Bad Education both as the will win and should win, with El Camino as the could win, mm-hmm. and you're not feeling certain about that right now in the moment.
2: Uh, no, I, I will never feel certain in this category uh, so long as it's uh, as, as so long as Netflix has like anything in it against an actual TV movie because again for the last 3 years it really felt like you know the, the first year black mirror submitted an episode in 1 it was like okay that we kind of saw that happening people were really excited about that episode it, it made a little bit of sense but you know by by last year when deadwood deadwood the movie is losing to an interactive special despite getting i think 9 nominations overall it it just doesn't like the the math doesn't even add up. So so the idea that anything is is set in stone here is um, is crazy to me. Um, and I I loved El Camino. I thought El Camino was actually a fantastic standalone film. Um, even though it still leans very very hard on you know the Breaking Bad backstory. So uh, so I'm not going to be upset if either of those win. But I'm not feeling particularly. You know I wouldn't bet money on what i've got down i wouldn't bet money on bad education even though it's it's definitely the best of a lot
1: i mean i have to agree with ben i, I mean i think best uh bad education is the best bet el camino a close second like but i don't know i have no idea i really underestimated you know months ago i i was like "Well, wait till the nominations come out the things will be much more clear and like it is it's a much smaller pool that i have no idea about But uh, I still have no idea, which is always what you want to hear from an uh, Emmy prognosticator. But it's hard. It's hard this year without without um, buzz, without getting a feel for what people are thinking. Um, It feels like a year where people are going to be making a lot of gut decisions. which is why I think my feeling about comedy is changing, but we'll deal with that in a couple weeks.
0: Well, now let's move on to the acting categories. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, we have Dylan McDermott for Hollywood, Jim Parsons for Hollywood, Titus Burgess for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and then we have a trio of Watchmen actors, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, Giovanna Depo, and Louis Gossett Jr. Um, Libby on Gold Derby, I don't know if this is the way you wanted it locked, but you have Louis Gossett Jr. winning right now. Ben, you have not filled out your supporting hey, yeah. actor. So... That doesn't sound like me. Who will win?
2: Oh, I I didn't do it. Uh, I'm going to say yeah-yeah at this very moment with, uh, with a possibly immediate pivot before this conversation ends to Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. Um, I do feel like a Watchmen actor is going to come out of this I'm not as worried about vote splitting here if only because uh, it would have to happen on Hollywood as well because Dylan McDermott is eons better than Jim Parsons on that show and Jim Parsons is somehow still the favorite. So don't see that happening. Um, So yeah, I I, I think Yaya being a very prominent figure being asked to play not two different parts but very different, a very evolved character within a, a short arc um i think that works to his benefit as well as he's just becoming a bit more popular out there like he's getting a lot of, of big name roles people are eager to see more of him he's a very likable presence he's a very smart guy like he's somebody who i think it's just an easy vote to cast but um but i honestly wouldn't be surprised if anybody won this except for maybe titus burgess like that would be a bit of a surprise if only because that's that movie got nominated twice and this
0: is one of them so i don't see it Libby, are you sticking with Louis Gossett, Jr.?
1: I will, and I'll tell you why. Like, I was actually one of the few people who had him pegged um, in nominations, too. He was pretty... He was a pretty far out there. Like, Javon and Yaya and I think even...
0: Tim Blake Nelson?
1: And I just had this set. I, I went with Louis Gossett, Jr. because I think he's incredibly effective in that role. I think he is very strong in the finale. Which, in one of the final scenes that we see, um, he's really central to a lot of the scenes um, about America's cultural history. And I just think people love him. I mean, everyone loves Louis Gossett Jr. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't think he should be discounted. I think it's a really powerful role. And I do think that Yaya is hurt by the fact that for the back half of this series, um, he is portraying a very atypical person who who doesn't emote a lot, and by a lot, I mean at all. So that is that's that's definitely can be hard to I think get a bead on on how good or bad a performance is. I love him. I think it's a great performance. I just don't know if that translates across the board. Um, so I'm put- sticking with Gossett. Ooh, go.
0: Oh, no, I was saying, and I and I posed just to talk about the third Watchman nominee, I posed this question to you before I started recording. Joven Adepo is amazing in this extraordinary being, but that's essentially, as you said, Libby, like amazing tape, but it's one episode out of nine. And so like, is that enough to warrant a a, a win?
1: But if everyone's just submitting one tape, is it a problem? But also it's quite a tape. Uh, and as far as screen time goes, I'd love to see a breakdown of how much time he spends on screen, uh, as opposed to like Louis Gossett jr. Cause I would bet they are closer than we think. Um, well,
0: remember most of that episode, he's Javon also swapping, absolutely, he's swapping with Regina King in and out.
1: True. Hot true. swaps. I, um, Javon is definitely my, my dark horse in this, um, I would not be surprised at all if he steps up and wins it. It's such a powerful episode. It's an episode that the the TV Academy responded to across the board.
0: I'm gonna go with Jim Parsons, Hollywood. Leo, you are fired from
1: this. What if if Leo (laughs) went through and just like picked the front runner in every category? That's not what I'm
0: doing. I will say, I just I just think there's a I I think I want all the things, good things to happen, but I think some bad things will happen. I think Jim Parsons beating the, the, the watchman trio is something that could potentially happen. I want Louis Gossett Jr. to I win. I think
1: that's I think that's not where it happens. I think it happens in our next category.
0: Oh no <laughs> Well Sorry. great segue to Best Supporting Actress where the nominees are Holland Taylor from Hollywood, a trio of Mrs America actresses Margot Martindale, Tracy Ullman, and Uzu Aduba, and then Tony Collette from Unbelievable and then Gene Smart for Watchmen. So, Libby, you have Gene Smart on your Gold Derby page. I do. Ben, obviously, you haven't filled I out do. your Gold Derby page yet. So, my early reaction to
2: this is uh, tending toward Uzo Aduba. Um, I really think that with 10 nominations, they're going to try to find some place to honor Mrs. America that's. That's significant that's 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 more prominent that's part of the, the the sunday night award show as opposed to the weekly you know uh creative arts ceremonies and that's not to say you know one is more valuable than the other by any means but i do think that that the the actors did respond to the actors on this show so they might find a way to do it um and i think Uzo's probably got the best episode of the nominated people um i think her character is the easiest one to get behind i think it speaks to the moment um so I I would love for Gene Smart to take this, and she's clearly very popular within the academy over a long period of time. Like people really have respected her for for years. Uh, but Uzo is is also you know she's two for three so far, two for four or whatever it is. So I, I two think for three that, that um, includes
0: this nomination.
2: Yeah, so so I, I think she might be in store for a, another win. I think the only thing that really would stop her, aside from people just really preferring another performance. Uh, would be the recency of it. Would just be them being like, "Well, it's been a long time for Gene and Uzo. We've honored pretty recently, but, um, but yeah, it'll be." That's this is another one
0: where I'm not, I'm not locked on anybody in particular. I will say this category is just is crazy in terms of. I just have to note, like, not including, not even including Tracy Ullman's twenty five nominations for her career. Everyone else has more than four nom- nominations. It's a stacked category.
1: Oh, yeah. And then you think about the people who missed um, (laughs) being in this category, like the rest of the Mrs. America cast, uh, like like it's it's honestly mind boggling. And I love Gene Smart. Uh, Gene Smart is like a childhood hero of mine. But Uzo Aduba is beloved by the Academy. She played Shirley Chisholm. Um... You know, her episode is about her presidential campaign. I think on the heels of Kamala Harris's, you know, historic vice presidential nomination. It's just and and, you know, um, I just think the time is right for Uzo. I think the timing works out unless we're seeing a full watchman, like unless people are getting their ballots and they're just like watchmen. Yep. Which is possible, um, but this is this is a category that I think is up in the air more than more than may- we maybe want it to be.
0: Agreed. Moving on to best actor in a limited series or TV movie, where the nominees are Paul Mescal for Normal People, Mark Ruffalo for I Know This Much Is True, Hugh Jackman for Bad Education, Jeremy Irons for Watchmen, and Jeremy Pope for Hollywood. Ben, you have Paul Mescal, first nomination, the surprise, the surprise breakout of normal people. Libby, you have Mark Ruffalo yeah. on Gold Derby. All right. I do. Convince me.
1: I don't know how I feel about that anymore. No, I just like, as much as in other categories, they want to showcase other things. Like I see the argument for Mescal. I just, um I I don't know. I don't know if the heat's there. I don't think enough people have seen it. Um, ben, state your case.
2: So my case for Mescal is twofold. One, I think there's just enough people who've seen it Uh, Because it also earned writing and directing nominations, which are very, very hard to come by in the limited series category. But more than that, what's been trending in this category of late are the kind of breakout actors. Like are are the people who kind of come out of nowhere and it's not necessarily the, we've been talking about these guys forever, they're famous movie stars, they're big names that you know, and now they're competing at TV, so let's honor them. The trend has been we're gonna look past Robert De Niro, we're gonna give it to Rizamede, we're gonna give it to uh Darren Chris, even uh, for Gianni Versace, and last year we're gonna give it to Jarel Jerome. When they see us Jerell Jerome, yeah. Um, that's a
1: great so argument.
2: That's that's my very like thin <laughs> thin.
1: No, that I think that makes total sense. for this.
2: I think it makes enough sense, but I still don't feel like... I feel like the presumptive favorite needs to be Mark Ruffalo. I feel like Hugh Jackman is kind of a big threat because he's just so freaking likable, and he's in a really great movie that, again, if enough people watch it and really responded to it, they'll give it to him. But I do... I just, at, again, at this moment... For me, I'm leaning Mescal because of the trend of where things have been and because Normal People did just well enough in other categories for me to think, well, I think it has an edge over Bad Education, and it it might have an edge over I Know This Much is True because the ratings for that were rough and literally only getting one nomination for Ruffalo is the bare minimum it could have done at the Emmys, so it does not seem like people really love that show.
0: Moving on to what, God, I hope is the most slam dunk of all of these picks... Best actress in a limited series or TV movie. We have Regina King from Watchmen, Kate Blanchett from Mrs. America, Shira Haas from Unorthodox, Carrie Washington from Little Fires Everywhere, and Octavia Spencer for Self Made. And I'll say it right now, my pick would be locked at Regina King, and I wouldn't change that for any of your arguments. But try. (laughs) I don't want to
2: try. I agree with you for the most part. I think the phrasing most slam dunk might be appropriate (laughs) um i would say the next
1: category is that but oh Oh, yeah
2: yeah, that's that's true that's actually correct i guess Um, i guess i meant of the acting categories of the acting i'd say this is the most slam dunk without any of them still being a slam dunk i can't call i can't say that this is a guarantee given she's up against Kate planchette who is just immaculate and this is america fucking powerhouse i still contend that shira haas could steal this thing uh, i i think it's regina king's year uh, i think watchman is like she's the <laughs> basic of watchman and every year's regina king's year and that's exactly it every year is regina king's year the only way that shira haas would would take it is in my mind that same rationale that people are kind of now aware of how often they've awarded regina king so then they're like let's move on. Like, we know she's great. We know the show is great. We're honoring it in so many other ways. But unorthodox was something we really loved. This is a breakout person we want to see get roles. We're gonna give it to her this year. I I think that's a bit of a long shot argument. But it's still like an open window to me where I I could see it happening in some timeline. So
1: well, you're a catastrophist. And I respect that. I would say they're gonna be fine awarding Regina King because I mean, it's Regina King, but also it seems pretty clear that Sister Knight is going to be the Regina King role for maybe the rest of time. Um, and it would be a, a, a shame not to recognize that. That said, Kate Blanchett is, I think Ben used the right word, just immaculate in, in Mrs. America. I don't know. In a, that's a very difficult, difficult character to... Uh, embody and and kind of bring insight to. But I think it has to be Regina because Watchmen isn't Watchmen without Regina. And um I I totally hear your argument on on sheer ass, but I don't think you give twenty six nominations to a series built around on one woman and then not award that woman. So uh I, I think it has to be Regina.
0: Well speaking of Watchmen I, I sort of have these grouped together. We always do. We have limited series. And then I, I included here Ryan directing for a limited series. You both have this extraordinary being right now as your pick for both writing and directing, writing, which would, of course, be uh, Damon Lindelof and Cord Jefferson, directing, which would be Stephen Williams. I have spent countless hours with this episode of television. Please go listen to Deep Dive. Uh, on the filmmaker toolkit uh, podcast it's stream, amazing. where we go all into this episode. I mean, I, I the fact that I love this episode and have uh, listened to every person on the crowd, like below the line, above the line, talk about it, and still love it as much as I do, is proof that it is a genius piece of television, and deserves to be awarded.
1: I don't know how you vote against it. Like I love, I love the first episode of Watchmen, but what they did on this extraordinary being was just. Um, really special. I think it's just one of those really special episodes of television. It's like when you sit, when you sat down and you saw the suitcase for the first time and you were like, Oh, okay. This is, this is the pinnacle of television. Like this is, I will take this feeling with me as I move forward. This is why I watch television. That's, that's the feeling I got from this extraordinary being. And, um, I have to believe because of its popularity with nominations that, that the TV Academy agrees. So Ben.
2: No, I, I don't disagree. I think that it's, um, I think that Watchmen in, in all three of these categories is as close as you can get to a lot going into the night. And that's saying something considering again, like just how great the rest of the nominees are. Um, I'd say that, you know, considering the very upfront, You know directorial challenges that that just you know you can see playing out in front of you uh that that this extraordinary being would be more of a lock on the director's side for steven williams than it would on the writer's side except it's still the only episode of Watchmen nominated on the writer's side it's got both damon and cord on you know as the as the episode writers you typically want to honor the showrunner when you're going to give away an award like that when you're going to when you're going to give out the writing uh, award and you know I, I think that it's it's kind of hard for me to believe that shows like mrs america and unorthodox aren't really gonna walk away with a writing trophy this year because like they're just so they're so beautifully crafted from that specific side and yet i just I, again like i i can't really imagine um this going anywhere else so i think I think Watchmen will do very well uh, come Emmy night, and those three, plus Regina, will be kind of the crowning um, the crowning awards to end it all, to wrap it all up.
0: Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and NDY. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video "York Bjork talking about Our TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson, our publisher is James Israel, and our executive editor is Anne Donahue. Our favorite films involving wolves are White Fang, Balto, and the fantastic Mr. Fox. Our Millions of Screens wolf endorsement is An American Werewolf in London. There've got to be better wolves movies out there. Is that it? I mean, maybe, like the gray? Maybe better. <laughs> the,
2: gray. Um, the gray seemed too obvious. Man. I mean, I think there's probably plenty that are better than Balto, um, but I had to make you read the word Balto because that's just a dumb word.
0: You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Fire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, so leave a review and let us know what you think. If it's good, we might read it on the air. If it's bad, we're going to delete it from the internet. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Remind you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you.
1: You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>